0: Welcome to Things Cooks Know, the weekly podcast where the professional cook, that's Sarah Kay, shares her insider advice and secrets that the busy amateur cook, that's me, can use in her own kitchen with her own family. And this week's episode could not come at a better time. It's extremely cold outside. Freezing. Not just cold. cold. I'm getting over a cold, and we're talking about soups.
1: My favorite subject in the whole world.
0: Can you just walk through, like, the basic steps to make a soup? Because I guess one of my questions is, like, I don't know when to to add. Yeah, Yeah, where to start and then when to add what sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So, like, if you're making a basic soup, what is the general progression of making it?
1: You're starting, like, with your aromatics, like your mirepoix, which would be, like, you know, very traditionally, like, onion, celery, carrot. You don't necessarily have to do that for everyone, everyone, But so I usually and and you're kind of sautéing those at the and bottom. Is that of the pan. that like creates like kind of like a foundation of flavor? flavor? Okay. Mm-hmm. And so I'll, I'll I will always have an onion. Everything starts with an onion. Okay. So, but I might not always use celery and carrots, or I might do onion and garlic. And celery, and I—that's—I might start sautéing something like a sweet potato or something like that at the same time instead of carrot. Who knows? Whatever. But I start with that all in the pan until those get soft, and you—you don't want them to really get colored, right? But you just want to soften them and to like release their aromas and stuff like that. Then I would add some broth. You could also add spices, I should say, in the beginning. Like if you really want to get a foundation of fresh herbs or something, you can add them right before you add the broth or you can just add them in when you add the broth. Okay. add the broth, start simmering that, and then start to add the pieces that you want to, like, soften over time. And and kind of like the firmer the things are, the longer they need to cook, the earlier you're going to add them in the process. Okay, Um, So, like a big hunk of potato or something like that is going to take longer to become tender. You're going to add that earlier than you would say, um, you know, some spinach because the spinach doesn't necessarily need to cook all day long. Right. It won't hurt it if you're you have this big pot of minestrone that you keep really low on your stove, but. In general, that's just the kind of progression that you're talking about. If you're making some kind of fish soup, you're adding the like the very tender things like that at the end.
0: Mm-hmm. And then when like something like pasta, are you adding it basically – like what I would do, having no knowledge, I would look at the cooking time for the pasta and I would say, okay, it takes seven to nine minutes if you're boiling it. So I'm going to put it in with seven minutes left.
1: Yeah, or Is you that... could just cook it separately and add it like oh, right at the end. I see.
0: And then what about meat that's already been cooked, like Rich's Free Chicken, just at the end? Because you're just heating yeah. that through.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I wouldn't say, like, right at the end because you might want to give it a little bit more time to release whatever flavors it might still have in it. To, like, marry with the broth a little bit. But, um, but yeah, that do, it's already cooked. It doesn't need to be there from the beginning. That said, if you want to – if you're fortifying – sometimes what I do is, like, I'll combine a store-bought stock – with some, like, odds and ends from a chicken that I have left over. So if I were doing that, I would start with the onions and the, and the um, celery and then add the broth, add the herbs, and add, like, some of my chicken pieces or bones or whatever. And then I'm basically making a stock mm-hmm. using the store-bought stock as, like, a fortifier giving myself a head start, basically. And when I let that cook for like an hour or so, low simmer, then I might, I'll strain out everything, all of the solids, all of that, and just use the broth. So then you're not really getting the pieces of onion or anything like that, but you're, you're getting all that flavor that you started to build. And then I would add, you know, my potatoes and my greens and my chopped tomatoes or whatever, you know, if I were making some kind of um, vegetable soup
0: I have major issues with soup I like the idea of them I find them so g darn boring and I was coming in to this <laughs> podcast one of the reasons I was late was because I had to stop and get an oatmeal cookie because I tried to have soup for lunch because I'm trying to it's the new year I'm trying to be good and I had soup for lunch. And it's just like, it's basically eating air. I was like so yeah. hungry that I had to have an, Oreo, a, an oatmeal cookie. So, like, we need to talk today about...
1: Okay, so what are, what are the soups that you're having that are disappointing you? Well, I had, a, I had okay, wasn't you even have, a soup.
0: Okay. I had a turkey chili. But it was, like, the most disappointing thing mm, ever. Yeah. That can be hard. Anyway. I mean,
1: we talked about chilies that don't have enough fatty things. There was them. nothing yeah. in
0: it. And I think also, in my mind, the reason I love soup is because with soup comes half a baguette and a quarter <laughs> and stick of butter. butter. And I'm really yeah. not exaggerating. But and, and a sprinkling of malt and sea salt on the mm-hmm. butter when you open up the bread and you slather so it So you get on. the little
1: crunch. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So so when you're trying to be good and trying to lose the however many pounds you gained, the bread kind of goes away. And so and now I'm left with the soup. So I really
1: – Well, I, was I don't think t- the bread needs to go away. I mean, even oh. if you're on your, like, January hating yourself diet. Right. I mean, the soup is really generally so packed with good things for you. I mean, it depends on what kind of soup you're making. But most soups, if you're choosing to have it for lunch because you're on your cleanse or whatever, <laughs> um, it's, it's, a four-letter it's like word. full of a lot of water and fiber and vegetables, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. So I think, like, if having a slice of bread with your soup is going to save you some tears – don't deprive. Okay, yourself. it's
0: not a yeah. slice; it's a loaf. <laughs> so anyway, okay. Maybe we can meet <laughs> somewhere in the middle. I want to talk to you, Sarah K, about your relationship with soup. Like, you're really in love with soup.
1: I'm like mad for soup. Yeah, I would. I pretty much have soup every day from November to April, and I I know like it's. Weird to me, I didn't really get this until until I started like sort of talking talking openly about my love for soup. <laughs> but it um, it's, it's so not revealing. something that everyone shares. I don't know. I just kind of took for granted that like everybody loves soup. But some some people are really kind of. Soups make them sad. I don't think of soups as sad at all. (laughs) I just think they're like so full of possibility and you can't screw them up. And they're so warm and you can, you know, you can drink them basically or sit down and eat them at the table. Or they can be so many different things. It can be comforting. They can be kind of exotic. I don't know. There's just so many things that you can do with soup and i I eat them all winter long, and i I have this kind of ritual of making them at home that where honestly oftentimes I start making a soup in the morning while the coffee is brewing okay so it's like, and I did this especially um before you know before I started at Real Simple because I had a long stretch of time where I was a, a person who worked from home as a freelancer. So I didn't have to report to an office. And it was kind of part of my morning routine in the winter that I would like start the coffee and then just start chopping up some onions or garlic or whatever. Like it's sort of meditative. Like just throw it in a pot you know, so sort of sweat it out. How do you do that when you're getting? Stock oh,
0: in. was Sam not? Ready, was not Sam not going to school yet? Oh
1: no, Sam wasn't going to. School I don't understand. Yet. How this, you, was, yeah, that this was yeah. This was pre. That sounds
0: amazing. But to also,
1: me. but I mean, you could do that while your kid was eating breakfast. True. And it's not. It doesn't take time, and it doesn't really take much attention. Yeah.
0: Okay, so you start. You'd you start that in the morning. I
1: started in the morning, and then I'd like add to it. I'd let it simmer, and then if I had to go out, I'd turn it off, and then I'd like come home and. Simmered some more. I mean, and these are kind of like truly like what I think of as like the stone soup kind of soup. Like you can just throw stuff in it from your refrigerator. Well, and Um, isn't it true? Like the longer it all
0: simmers, probably the better it is.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I guess there are some combinations that wouldn't be great, but there's not many. And I, you know, this kind, especially like vegetable based kind of like big soup, you know, riffs on minestrone. You can use up so many odds and ends in your fridge this way. Like one of the ones that I have a lot during the winter has like little cubes of sweet potato in it. I might throw that in there. Any leftover greens. So it could be anything. It could be chard or kale or spinach. Um You know, you can put a little bit of ginger, a little bit of fresh ginger in the broth Mm. to give it some flavor. That's good for cold, too. Yeah, opens you up a little. Yeah. Chickpeas in that. So, like, greens, chickpeas, and sweet potato. And you can do a vegetable broth. You can do a chicken broth with a little bit of ginger. That's really good. And really good for you, Um, you know, full of good things and kind of foolproof. Like, so you basically don't idiot-proof. use a recipe. I don't most of the time. But if you Could want a like recipe. like me not use a recipe? Yes, of course. Okay. Yes. It's like taste as you go. Add, you know, experiment a little with different combinations. But if you want a recipe, I know I've like flogged this book before <laughs> on this show. But I can't say enough good things about it. It's called Love Soup. Mm. It's by Anna Thomas came out like maybe maybe like six years ago or so six or seven years ago it's a paperback book it doesn't have photos or anything like that they're all vegetarian recipes but they're all they're like wildly inventive without being complicated Mm -hmm. and full of really good flavor combinations so i do actually agree with
0: you in terms of soup being great in theory. I love the idea of chopping the vegetables. I love the idea of the simmering pot. I love the idea of it scenting the house. Like, all of that sounds amazing to me. It's the reality of it. It's it's the aftermath of eating it when you're just like, okay, so where's my second course? So, I mean, I have an issue with lack of food a lot. I think I have some sort of childhood (laughs) issue with, I I don't know, that I was deprived at some point. Yeah, like, I really panic. But one of my problems is that I don't feel like they're filling enough and besides, an entire or half of a baguette and butter—like, what else can you do to the soup itself, or to this, you know, on the side to just make it feel more like a meal? Because I think the the ease of soups makes it you really actually want to have them as a meal, as right, opposed to right. It's like, like a one bowl of kind exactly. Of
1: thing. Well, I mean, I think if you want a more filling soup, you're going to want an element like the sweet potatoes. Or bean like beans are really fill- so. If you have a kind of more f- like chunkier, like a f- really full of fiber element to your soup, that will fill you up. So you can always go in that direction if you mm-hmm. just want to talk about the the soup itself. If you if you're open to some add-ons, there are so many things you could do. You know, just on the sort of bread idea alone, instead of your baguette, you could have some croutons or any kind of cracker. You could make little melted cheese toasts and you can float that on top of your soup or you can have it on the side. Um, you can get those like crispy onions, you know, oh, and you can put yes. those on the soup. You can, you know, a soup and a, like a little salad or like a slaw is always great as like an, an accompaniment, but you can also stir in some greens at the last minute just to kind of wilt them. You can add a nice big Spoonful of sour cream or even plain yogurt to your soup mm-hmm. and kind of swirl it in. You can add. You can make a kind of a loose dough and drop dumplings into your soup oh at the my very gosh. last minute. <laughs> I mean, and that's good nothing. For that's like flour and water. You know, yeah. I mean, it's like salt and water. So it's it's not labor-intensive or anything, but that would do it. There's things like orzo, anything like that that you can add at the end for a little bit more texture and filling this. And, you know, you could make some really easy drop biscuits or scones or cornbread mm-hmm. just to kind of take it in a different direction. And, or like
0: a drizzle of olive oil, yeah, right? We always absolutely. tell people to do that. Or <laughs> always my
1: favorite, a nice soft-cooked egg. Right on top. Oh, okay. So can we talk
0: about that for one second? Mm-hmm. So you have uh, a simmering pot of soup. How, wh- I don't even know when to put the egg in. Like, what do you do with the egg? How do you do
1: that? Usually I m- make like a pan full of soft-boiled eggs, just like separate. And then when I'm serving the soup, you I just, just drop like it scoop out the egg and put it onto I the I see.
0: So you need of to of cook it. the egg. You can't cook the egg in the soup. You can.
1: And I've done that before. But I think... It's probably less scary for people if they cook the eggs separately. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. Here's my other problem with soups. Anytime I'm reading a recipe, I'm super excited, and then I get to the part that says, in a blender, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> in batches, puree the soup. Yeah.
1: B- well, you know, there are so
0: many soups that you don't need to blend. I know. But Number makes, one. I feel very lazy, but it really bothers me, the idea of having a blender.
1: Well, I get it. But also, it's sort of mood at this point, though, because... You really rarely have to do that in a blender anymore if you have one of those immersion blenders. Oh.
0: We recommended um, one of the listeners get one of those, right, for yeah, a friend. Yeah,
1: I, and I would just say, like, I recommend that everyone get one. And if blending soups intimidate you, if you have one of those, it won't be an issue anymore. You can do it all right in the pan, yeah. like on the stove. Yeah. And it makes just— like you could do it with your eyes closed. It's so easy. So you don't have to like transfer hot liquid. Right. And into then I'm always worried about the top those, coming those, off yeah. and it, like a disaster. I mean, I stay away from fussy soups where you're, you know, blending and straining and like we're, right. we're not we're not talking to people who are making <laughs> soups like that. Right. We're not a silky right. soup crew. Yeah, but if you have one of those immersion blenders, it's no big deal. Okay. It's really really. so go get one. I will. I think I will. Okay. Okay.
0: A great thing about soup obviously that you can like make it ahead, make a huge batch. Mm-hmm. And then live off of it for a while. Yep. Are there any sort of, like, overall guidelines, if you're going to do that, to make sure you're successful?
1: So, for, like, freezing it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, a few things. So, number one, remember that you probably don't want to put a big vat of hot soup into your freezer. So, you want to cool it down before you freeze it. So, it doesn't go from, like, blazing hot right into the freezer. Because then it will... It will just raise the temperature of everything in right. your freezer. So you can cool it. You know, you can let it cool down a little bit just on the stove and then you can either – or you can put the, the pot like in a cool water bath in your sink or something like that. Just help bring the temperature down quickly before you portion it out. And that will, and that's the other thing I was going to say is you should store the soup in small, small portions. It doesn't have to be necessarily single serving. Mm-hmm. But, you know – don't put the whole bowl of soup, I mean, the whole pot of soup into the freezer. I've because done that.
0: Then you're taking, like, an ice pick and you're, like, carving out portions of the
1: yeah, soup. Yeah, because <laughs> chances putting... are, like, you might just want oh one or two servings of soup, right. like, when it's a late night or someone's stuck at work late or you just need a meal for one or something like that. So, um, you know, then you can just unfreeze what you want when you need it. Mm -hmm. You know, some things, some kinds of soups freeze better than others. Creamy soups don't tend to freeze as well as brothier-based soups. Just because the milk, like milky, creamy soups can get a little grainy. If it's, you know, any of the things that you may notice, like, as they sit in the broth and absorb the water, like pasta or things like that, maybe, or rice even, yeah. like, that really swell up. Yes. Either, if you can, just kind of keep it separate. So freeze the broth and things like that, but then just add add some pasta when you're reheating and, and stir it in. It'll just keep the texture of it better. It's not going to ruin the soup if, you, if you've made chicken noodle soup and you freeze it all together. Right. But if you're actually planning ahead and you know that this is something that you want to cook now and serve later right that's one way to kind of think about it to make it be at its best okay and then you know just make sure that you label and date everything that you're putting in the freezer so that it's such a simple thing and (laughs) yet
0: who does it i know it's like why do we have to remind people again and again including myself but it's Um,
1: true and you know i think people think uh you know, soup having to be in kind of like Tupperware containers or something. But it's actually great to, to freeze in Ziploc freezer bags, too. You can kind of like fold over the edges, pour the soup in, close it up, freeze them on their sides, mm-hmm. and they, they just take up so much less space that way. Yeah, they're like file like folders. That. Exactly. But I think, the, you know, in general, I would also say that you can have soup any meal of the day. Like I want to expand people's soup horizons. I okay. eat soup for breakfast. And not only do I make soup in the morning, but I eat it for breakfast. Okay. A so lot. what
0: do you eat for? What do you eat? What kind of soup do you eat for breakfast?
1: Like a, a miso soup sometimes, oh. or even just like a, This is, I've been doing this a lot lately. Is like if I have leftover cooked oatmeal, mm-hmm. I make like a savory oatmeal po- porridge where I take, like, a cup of the cooked oatmeal and I stir in some warm broth, like either chicken broth or mushroom broth. And you don't have to make that yourself. Like, you can use one of the little packs yeah. from the, the store and combine it and kind of soften the oatmeal so it's, like, very loose. So it's kind of like a cross between a soup and a porridge. And add a little sesame oil, a little – maybe some – if I – have if I really want to go, like, super savory, like some shredded chicken, or I could put an egg on that. Mm. It's really – it's one of my favorite breakfasts these days, I have to wow. say.
0: Never, I've never heard of eating any soup for
1: breakfast. And, you know, you can – at lunchtime, You, it's really easy to make, like, a fake faux, like a mm. noodle bowl. Mm-hmm. Same thing, you can use, like, store-bought chicken stock, maybe jazz it up with, like, a little ginger or or garlic in there. And you can just buy the, the like, rice noodles that you can get at the store. And same thing, like, you don't even have to cook all of the parts. Like, if you have a rotisserie chicken, you, like, shred yeah. some chicken and you throw it in there. Chop up some scallions, um, you know, anything like that. You could put, thinly slice, like, leftover. If you made steak for dinner, you could slice some of it up really thin and float it in there. It doesn't have to be rocket science.
0: Okay, so... Y- we know you love soups, but what's your, like, penultimate, ultimate, all-time favorite soup?
1: I think that it might have to be Portuguese kale soup or caldo verde. Okay. Um, yeah, so with a really hearty broth just, like, packed with greens and beans and, like, chunks of linguiça sausage. Ugh, and, like, so garlicky that... Like, you basically, like, can't see through the fog of garlic in your kitchen. <laughs> yeah. That's that's my favorite. All that right. no one can come near you for two weeks.
0: <laughs> I've never had that, even though I grew up in Rhode Island, and there's a huge Portuguese population there. But um, my favorite soup does quasi-hail from Rhode Island. Well, it does. It's, it's the black pearl clam chowder. I love a chowder. Oh my god, the chowder! Um, and I really don't think anything. Is but, it creamy or is it's it creamy? Like, okay. It's creamy. I mean, I you know, I, I always go for like the worst version of everything. It's, <laughs> no. So it's definitely creamy. And the Black Pearl is just a you know, it's like a great old restaurant right mm-hmm. on the pier on Bowen's Wharf in um, in Newport. And my family always goes there in the winter for clam chowder. You like beat the crowds, get away from them, yeah. and just and they used to have those awesome huge uh, pilot oyster crackers. I love
1: those. That are discontinued. Yeah. But the chowder's still good. So my son basically like that was part of every meal of his life for like the first two years. It was like with those oyster crackers, and he called them gugas. <laughs> I don't know why. That's just like what he called them before he could speak. But now everyone in my family still calls them gugas. So yeah. Well, know, if they ever like, make we them like again. our chowder with a side of guga. Yeah. Well, if
0: they ever make them again, I will start calling them gugas as well. <laughs> All right, so good to go? I'm good to go. Thanks for Let's helping go me make out. Soup. <laughs> I'm going to get an immersion blender stat. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today for Things Cooks Know. We'd like to thank our producer, Tim Einenkell, and our illustrious engineer, Zach Dinerstein. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe on iTunes. And for a million more great cooking tips and tricks, as well as a cajillion soup recipes, head to realsimple.com. If you have topics you'd like us to cover next time, you can tweet them to us at Sarah P. Humphreys or at SQ Karn. We'll be back next week.